0: This is Coda Radio, episode 327 for September 24th, 2018. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and its related technology. This here episode is made fresh in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. My name is Chris, and joining me every single week from his tower, where he watches and observes all, and sometimes tweets about it as well, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike.
1: I am the beginning and the end of Aqua.
0: Wow. He started with you, and now today it officially dies with you, too, doesn't it? Yeah,
1: that's, It does, yeah.
0: Huh. Well, that's a moment that's just passed us by, and I didn't even really realize it. You know, being out of that whole Mac game now, like this Mojave release that came out
1: today. I'm like, huh, oh, okay. Wait, right. did Mojave come out today?
0: I think it came out, yeah. At least I'm seeing, yeah, I think it
1: did. I'm such an awesome Apple developer. I just You
0: also <laughs> have the worst purchasing timing of anybody that I've ever co-hosted with. Like, it's just atrocious, because, like, if you were to buy a Mac in a couple of days... It would come with Mojave preloaded, but no, no, not you. No,
1: no, no. No.
0: Well, Mr. Dominic, we have much to get into. We may have a surprise short show depending on if you get a certain phone call or not. But I thought maybe we'd do a little follow up and feedback, and if we get to the hoopla, we get to it. But I wanted to start with you, like a maniac, uh, tweeting out there Is in there is there any way to publish an iOS app to the app store without a Mac? And you got a bunch of different like retorts and replies, some serious, some kind of funny. Trolling, yeah. Yeah, some of them, yeah. And then there was one, though, that came from Emily Carlson, and she said, have you checked out Mac in the cloud? And at first I thought, what? What Mac in the cloud? And then I went and looked at it. Mac in the cloud is a leading cloud Mac solution provider with global presence. You can manage and access your Mac in cloud servers from anywhere with Internet access to develop apps and perform tasks that require a Mac. And then they say in big, bold letters, why Mac and Cloud? And right there, they have Xamarin. Boom. Front and yep. center. Node.js. Boom. Android Studio. Boom. Phone Gap. Pow. Cordova. Slam. I mean, and code. I don't know, I guess. Um, this kind of almost seems like exactly like it would solve your problem. Like, if you need a Mac to run one or two apps and then publish to uh, the App Store... I mean, maybe Mac in the cloud isn't ridiculous. And I, I don't know for you, but I started thinking for myself, so okay, uh, you can do pay as you go. It's a dollar per hour. This obviously isn't an ad. I'm just looking at this right now. But their most popular plan is 20 bucks a month. You get a static IP, 100 megabits, which can be upgraded to one gigabit. Um, you get it says no admin access though. You, get access, you log in through RDP. It's a physical non-VM Mac server. And uh, you can run thing. It comes with uh, like things like Xcode, iBooks Author, Application Launcher, and things like that. But they go all the way up. You know, they go they go huge.
1: Yeah, um, you can spend a pretty penny on this. Yeah,
0: you could be like, yeah, more than fifty bucks a month, things like that. Uh, and I, you know, like for me, it's like I don't really have many Mac apps that I use anymore. But if there was one or two apps that I was just down to, that I could RDP into a Mac in the, in the cloud. I don't actually think that's that bad of an idea. Have you, did you ever consider something like this? Because I know recently you were asking what people are doing.
1: Oh, did I consider it? Um, (laughs) So I actually tried it out and it does indeed work. Um, How's the remote performance and stuff? It's a little slow. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, the problem for me is I've had a little bit of an adventure and I think we'll bury the lead a little bit. But I also have now been informed that I'm going to be working on a fairly large iOS project. Oh. So the, this pricing doesn't um, yeah, doesn't, doesn't scale if you yeah right if you need to do like continuous CI builds that, right that, that yeah that's no good uh, but s- certainly if you're like a phonegap developer and you only like every once in a while do a physical Mac build that that makes a ton of sense
0: or like you know uh, you know here at Jupyter Broadcasting we have a Creative Cloud subscription for yeah. a couple of the uh, a couple of the uh, pe- production people uh, and I used to use it as well but now that I'm on full time Linux I don't and I think to myself. You know, it'd be nice if I could run Creative Cloud in Wine and run the latest Photoshop in Wine because we have a whole bunch of historical PSD files, plus a lot of people that we work with send us PSD files for us to review, and I can mostly view them fine, but if I even want to make a slight modification, pretty much I'm out. And if I could, you know, for a couple of bucks, fire up a a remote instance and use Creative Cloud in Photoshop, I I mean, I would give it a consideration. And, you know, it's not only Mac, but uh, today... Microsoft announced their uh, new hosted solution, which I don't actually think has a clear name yet. It's a a virtual desktop that lets you run Windows 10 in the cloud. Um, It's just Windows, I think they're just calling it Windows Virtual Desktop. It's an Azure based service that provides a full virtualized multi user Windows 10 experience, which includes Office 365 Pro Plus, all running on Azure. That's kind of a big announcement. And they say the service. This is the mind bending part. Will also include a free Windows 7 Extended Security Update license, which I'm not really sure. Like, so you're buying a Windows 10 virtualized desktop service that comes with Office 365, and as a selling perk, they're including Windows 7 Extended Security Updates license. The-
1: It actually makes a ton of sense for developers, though. If you have a line of business app that's kind of an internal app, let's say you're one of those dark matter developers, you may have some challenges bringing it up to Windows 10. So that Windows 7 extended support license is going to allow you to... Basically, compare and control, and run both. Yeah, and run yeah. both. Right, the-
0: Windows Seven on the local machine, which has probably mm-hmm. you know been there for ages, and then you're remoting into the new Windows Ten desktop, which is the transition desktop essentially.
1: Exactly, exactly. And then the idea. I, I mean, I'm sure people are going to use this for lots of things. I could see, um, you know, thinner clients. I could see people with Chromebooks probably using this.
0: Totally. Well, again, like I go back to myself. I'm like. Maybe I you know maybe I don't bother with wine for some of these business applications. Maybe I just have a virtual cloud instance. You know, Amazon has something similar, but this is going to be straight from Microsoft. And they'll probably give away Azure credits to try it out. <laughs> so
1: yeah, with the theory.
0: You know, while so now while while the vendors out there are virtualizing these commercial operating systems that Mike needs to do his job and he could just buy one really nice Linux machine. Instead, he seems to have wound up in the Apple store recently. What happened, Mike? What
1: happened? So- so I want to talk to you about liquids and electronics.
0: Oh yeah, we should start there. You're right. I saw this go by. I cannot so believe this. Tell.
1: I people. was up late coding, because uh, you know I have, I have a uh, very irresponsibly scheduled these last couple months. I know you, you were sick, and but like, I have too many things happening at once. Um, so I got myself in one of these little binds where you know you just have to get stuff done. Like tomorrow, I'm I'm traveling again, and I won't be back for a week. Man, right. you're so going to need to sleep
0: for like a solid month.
1: Right. I I you know, I feel like I'm just done after this trip. I'm just I'm just I'm home, you know. Maybe one more by the end, by the end of the year, but I I it has to slow down. But when you're traveling, you don't you sometimes you run behind on coding. Right. So, I am enjoying a Samuel Adams Oktoberfest standing at my kitchen island pounding away on my gal- on my Oh, I'm sorry, on my MacBook Pro. And Oh no. All of a sudden, I hear a noise. <gasps> no. I thought it was the baby monitor. The, the bottle fell over. It was the... Yep. It was just my dog, but my elbow clipped the bottle, poured it directly, and it was a new bottle, <laughs> directly no. into the computer. No. Like, the whole thing. Oh, man. So, I was very upset, but then, you know, all right, clean everything up. Then I said, tell with it, I'm going to bed. This is, like, one in the morning. Uh, next day, I get up, I'm like, all right, this is this is when I tweet, how can I code Simon out of Mac? Because remember... This is only uh, Friday. Right. And, and I know that I'm traveling on Tuesday. So, so, I that's I what, to... so the morning you get up, the tweet goes out. All right, I got to work today without I'm the a, Mac. I'm on the Galago. I'm on pop. Drinking some Earl Grey. <laughs> Wife bumps into me. No. no. Boom. No, not the Galago. <laughs> Down goes the Galago. No. So within a day, actually, I thought it was 40 hours. It was a day uh, or a 24-hour period I destroyed every laptop I own.
0: I think, I mean, I'm just gonna put this out there, but maybe you should just consider not using laptops.
1: I, I seriously am, right? Like uh, this, so so we had a conversation a few months ago about like maybe we should just suck it up and buy desktops. Yeah. Uh, I used to have the Dell, I still do, but that's being used as a flight simulator for Griffin. So it can't be a dev desktop at the right. moment.
0: Right, it's sort of busy.
1: It's sort of busy, so I'm I'm in a bad position. And remember, it's iPhone launch weekend.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, right. So
1: I have iOS work that needs to be done, iOS stuff that needs to be demo. I have no Mac. I destroyed the Galago, and I need to buy a laptop to take in demo, right? You don't even
0: have so time like, for, like, a two-day Amazon delivery
1: here. Like, you're, right. you're down to the time. wire. I yeah. checked Amazon. I'm down to the wire. <laughs> um, I call the Apple Care, and they're like, yeah, we might be able to fix that, but, you know, your warranty's up. Really? It's, that's fantastic. And even if we could do something for you, it'll be two weeks. No. Oh. oh, yeah. Because I have to ship it in. So... I drive, like a jackass, on the Saturday of the iPhone launch to buy something oh, at the Apple gosh. store.
0: Oh, my God. How bad was it? Was it super crowded?
1: It was surprisingly not that bad, but like there was a line outside the store. Yeah. And I had to like grab one of the blue-shirted Apple. Be like, food. I don't want to I am, I am a Mac. I'm here for a Mac. I need a Mac. You remember how you guys used to sell Macs? I just Never, want one the, of those. <laughs> there's like the silver things over there. Just give me one. So I ended up thinking... I'm done. I'm done spending like ridiculous money on laptops and destroying them. It's, it. I mean, I, I tweeted it, and it's a running joke for our uh, for our listeners that like I have killed every Mac I've touched. Mm-hmm. Uh, my employees are have been having a lot of fun in Slack with this. So I bought a 13 inch, eight uh, gig. Not not with MacBook- the damn touch bar. No, no. I did get the touch bar. Oh, now. you
0: got the damn touch bar. Oh my. I God.
1: didn't want the touch bar, but the only configuration of the non touch bar they have was the super. Oh, this is the thing. The Apple Store stocks nothing. Yep. They only stock the base configurations, mm-hmm. so I had to. I didn't get the highest. I got the second from the highest of the 13, and I'm done, right? When either towers come out, either whether they be Apple or System76 or Dell, next time I spend real money on a computer, it's going to be a tower. Yeah. It is going to sit on a desk. There is going to be a separate desk for any beverages. <laughs> and... And I and for this laptop I will be purchasing Apple Care. In fact I already did. <laughs> oh. You know what? Yeah, it might be worth it, huh? At this point I would have paid for Apple Care like twenty times. So
0: Wes is in the chat room and I, I completely echo this. He says, Note to self, don't let Mike near any of my computers.
1: Yeah, yeah. no, I just I, I I can't I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm like mentally ill in this capacity. I as soon as I see a beverage, I kinda just lean it right over you know what the worst part is it's like
0: if that distracting event hadn't happened it wouldn't have caused it to happen or like if you you know like like you know like if just one element of the situation changed it's so hard like sometimes i replay those moments in my head over and over again and i'm thinking you know i'll sit there for a little bit i be like oh if the dog hadn't made a damn noise or- yeah, the
1: dog had not you know what i have to say coding and drinking at 1am is like not a good idea but with 3, 000, yeah
0: that 000. is a good in way a to kitchen. go yeah. in the <laughs> kitchen in kitchen that is uh, that is probably not advised. Get
1: out of here. So I did the walk of shame, to, or the drive of shame, and the walk of shame into the Apple store. I stood there for a considerable amount of time. And uh, are you gonna now? I'm. Are you gonna try go to like
0: ahead. do like the rice drying technique or anything with the with
1: the guy I tried the rice thing. Uh, the Galago turns on where the MacBook does not. Oh. But the screen is very very pink. Oh man! So I think I think it's gonna be a call when I get back. Call system seventy six and be like, "So, yeah. can we do here if anything?"
0: Yeah, jeez. If yeah. well, I come down there and I bring a case of beer. No. <laughs> so, but then, but then I bite because again I stalk you on Twitter. I notice that you you crack open the new thirteen inch MacBook. Yep. And you get yep. an error. What was it? It is the macOS installation could not be completed. Like that's when you open it.
1: So it's yeah. So. No, so I used it for one night. One night I installed all my tool chain, got Xcode running, got this Visual Studio running, uh, Ruby, all the things I need. Like just the minimum stuff I need for Okay, year.
0: so you did get past like that first welcome screen.
1: Yeah, I, I did some work during the night, turned it off, and it says, would you like, uh, do you want to allow an update? Like oh a moron. My gosh. I said yes. And that's the screen I saw. Now there's a detail I left out here that I'm gonna kind of run it a little backwards here. I spent the next day. I freaked out because now it's Sunday, right? Right, and you've lost I'm time just,
0: with the machines being down. Going to the Apple right. Store on iPhone Saturday, and then you get your machine set up with the bare bones, do an update, yep. reboot, and this comes up. I would be beside
1: myself. I I, I was livid. I, I so I go into this like procedure of trying to diagnose the problem, thinking I will just diagnose it, duct tape it back together run it for a week, right. and then I'm you, returning it. We don't,
0: you don't got time to go to the Genius Bar and have them hold it all day or even a week. Right. You don't have time for that.
1: I don't have time for any of this, right? And I could return it and just get another one, but then I still have to spend a, a day oh, paving it. Yeah, oh, and plus the financial hit of all of that and trying to make sure All the pending got... transactions on my credit card. Yeah, it's, woof. So, I start reading that kernel panic, uh, or that, which really like this is kind of a kernel panic, that log- I think they actually call it an update failure. I don't know why it's different, but okay. And I noticed something weird. It was complaining about a Thunderbolt driver. Huh, good spot. It's odd. Yeah. The only Thunderbolt device I was using was my Apple LG monitor. Oh, for goodness sake. I had not been using this monitor for months. And the funny thing was I had only been using it for now a day. My wife and I have been experiencing horrible Wi-Fi issues. No. We're a little over a. Oh, yeah. Didn't I read something about those LG monitors? I didn't know about it. So so this is what what's wrong. All these Macs that I have been killing other than by water damage are this problem. The some of them have poor RF shielding and they can either surge them the the uh, device you have plugged in, so in this case obviously it's a Mac thing, so a Mac, and the RF uh, waves screw up your Wi-Fi if your router is near it.
0: So you're cooking yourself, and you're screwing sure. up your Wi-Fi with this super expensive LG monitor, which they looks like they came clean with, about uh, this issue in February of 2017. So
1: they have publicly admitted that it screws up your Wi-Fi. Yeah. There, if you dig in the deep, dark areas of the Mac rumors and the Apple developer forums, I am not the only person who has been nuking their MacBooks. Um, and it's, it, when I say I'm not the only, I'm not saying there's like four or five other guys. It's substantial. And if you tell Apple that you have the LG monitor, which I did not in the past, they just replace your Mac. They don't tell you why, but they just do it. You notice uh, so, if you try to buy
0: on. this monitor
1: now, this LG Ultrafine 5K display, mm-hmm.
0: when you go to that page on the store, it says this item is no longer available for sale.
1: Yeah, that's probably for the best.
0: And, you know, rumor, actually, actually, not even rumor, they sing, I think they sit in that they, Pro roundtable. They round table. that
1: they're, they're going to make their own. Yeah.
0: Th- this has got to be why.
1: I, I'm sure it is, right? How many MacBooks do you think they've replaced? So, with this information, I forcibly turn off the Mac, unplug the LG monitor, turn it back on. It boots like a charm. Does the update? We're good to go.
0: No kidding. Oh, so you didn't even have to and go around
1: deleting Netflix stuff. starts working again. So.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, because of uh, uh, what HTCP, probably.
1: <laughs> yeah. The, well, no. The other thing I had to do was I had to unplug the LG from the power and let it just discharge. And so then so to it's totally
0: minutes. dead. It's totally
1: totally up. dead. But,
0: that's some that's some actual decent troubleshooting there too. Like, cause I gotta say, I I I don't think I would immediately have connected my external monitor is causing my software update to fail. And then that that message that you get about your installation being bogus and like you don't have a lot of options. Like it's a very aggressive error message that macOS throws up. I don't. Yeah, I mean you're really lucky that you sat down, put your head together, and uh, uh, went through the log. I I would have been so frustrated at that point. I I don't know if I would have thought oh, clear I, enough.
1: I was a dog's hair from just driving back to the Apple store and being like, mm, give me another one. Wow. But uh, but it would have still happened, right? Because I've had lots of these problems. Yeah, that's true. that's true. So the situation as it stands, I have a 13-inch MacBook Pro, which, by the way, the keyboard is significantly better on the 2018 model. Oh. I have a, what is it, eight dollars or $900 monitor that's completely useless.
0: Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? Can you RMA it? I mean, and then do you even want to?
1: I don't know. I'm not even sure. Like I, I know uh, from what I was reading, LG can't actually fix it at this juncture. Like it requires a hardware fix.
0: Yeah, it's like a they got so, a, They had to fix it. They had like I know that they like there's a there is uh, when you're buying them used. There's like a thing to look for to know if they're the fixed versions or not. Boy, that I'm, monitor is a totally bogus.
1: Well, it's, it's it's you know, and the funny thing is, I was in the Apple store and they're still selling the 24 inch model. So I don't know if it's just the 5K one that's doing this. Well, the they 5K?
0: supposedly fixed it too. They could be selling the fixed edition. No, oh, maybe
1: they're selling the modified ones, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that is a heck of a story. And uh, and now you're able to work. So you're able to get in there. You got it working.
1: Got it working. Man. One day I will join the desktop club
0: yeah. and build a know, PC. Build a build PC.
1: A no, that's probably too. That's rather crazy.
0: That's not really your style. No, <laughs> you no. know, you know the the few PCs we built recently the, the the actual building of the PC was pretty straightforward. It was the, the all the bad parts that we got that we had to
1: keep exchanging. Oh, did you buy them from LG? couldn't help it.
0: <laughs> hey, so we, I know we're going to do a shorty today, but I just want to throw one hoopla story at you to see what you think, because this one's brewing some stink, and I'm thinking about covering it in Unplugged, but probably depends on how our chat goes. So part of the Internet is really upset at Google because they've started to quietly log you into Chrome, in the last update, when you log into any Google property, so say Docs or Gmail or Google Photos or YouTube, when you log in there, they're silently in the background logging your browser into your Google account as well, although they're not turning on sync necessarily by default. You'd still have to go in there and say, I I want sync. You go in there and there's a little thing and it turns it on. But all of the other things like synced history, bookmarks, uh, actually, no, not bookmarks, but the uh, telemetry and those things, supposedly would be tied to your account still. And and one of the, uh, uh, to, uh, apparently, passwords and history are included in that, but they're also included in sync. I'm not really sure what everybody's so upset about, other than the one clairvoyant argument that I've heard made, I'm like, oh, okay, that kind of cuts through all the crap, is your friend sits down at your computer, uh, and you know, you're not logged into any Google property, but they'd sit down at your computer, open up a tab, and sign into Gmail... They've now logged your Chrome browser into their Google account silently in the background. And the other the other argument I've heard against this is it's just a violation of users' trust. Taking that choice from them and just doing it without saying anything is a sleazy move. I, I, I think those are the most um, poignant arguments I've heard because as far as I know, if, as long as sync is turned off, like they're not getting your history, your passwords, and your bookmarks. But people seem to be inferring that's the case, but I, I don't believe it is. So, what? What are your thoughts on Google taking this action—the
1: silent login? So this actually screwed me up deploying an Android app.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure, I, I was, could see I that.
1: Yeah, because you have to log into your Google account on the uh, Android, or the, now they call it the Google Play Console. I'm so old. I remember the Android Marketplace. Oh yeah, that was that was OG. Um, so what happens is if you log into that, Chrome now logs you out of your other account, which I don't know if you're logging into somebody else's purposefully made and Google accounts. So I have upload a apps. ton of Google accounts. Yeah.
0: I've got, and I've got a new one now for Linux Academy. I've got my personal one and I've got several JB ones. So you're telling yeah. me it's bouncing the Chrome login every time I, I move between those accounts.
1: It seems to be. Yeah. So what happened oh, to me geez. was I was trying to upload the, uh, the app on a, on a customer's, uh, basically they made a throwaway Google account on their domain to, to do, you know, the app store account. Um, but I had what they wanted for the release notes in a in a Google doc that was shared to my uh, Michael at the Mad Botter account right which immediately got booted
0: as you know <laughs> uh, you know you and I we, we've I think forever we've done docs between our personal Gmail accounts
1: yeah we've been using our personal ones yeah
0: but I've used my JB one all day long you know uh, for other stuff
1: so yeah I mean I'm in my work one all day so what I had to do is log into my Mad Botter one in Safari because yay. Right, and keep theirs opening Chrome, and that yeah. is worst
0: thing ever. Uh, if that is truly the way, I gotta I dig into this more. So I do need to look into this. So because you know that almost makes it like Firefox is the is the best browser to use with different Google accounts, especially when you have that containers extension. I don't know if I've mentioned mentioned this on the show before. <clears throat> it's a Mozilla created extension, and by default, it creates a container which you can think of as um, a completely isolated environment for each tab. So I have a Facebook container, so nothing can exist. out. So Facebook can't track anything outside that container. All of the cookies and everything are in that silo. And I have different containers for uh, different work sites and different Google accounts, and you can set it based on the URL, and then it changes the color of your tab too, and it keeps everything separate. None of them are aware of each other, so I can have three different Google accounts in three different Firefox tabs. Unfortunately, I'm I'm, I'm kind of pulling back from using Firefox these days and switching back to Chrome. Unfortunately, because I hate to I hate to make a slide backwards like that. Uh, but that is just wha- how it's working out for me right now. And so I really am disappointed to see, right as I'm kind of on the cusp of going back to Chrome, I'm really disappointed to see this. And I think I'm going to have to try and install this current version and give it a go. I got to see it for myself.
1: And then, yeah, like you know. To see it with my own <laughs> eyes. Do. And you see
0: if that's really going to screw me when I bounce around accounts. XMN in the chat room rightly points out too that it looks like I could just use Chromium and then it doesn't use that stuff. So
1: that's also. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. Okay.
0: That's also something to think of. Ah, why I'm going back to Firefox
1: CS. I don't think, do people really
0: want to hear that? I don't think
1: Why you are not, you you went from Firefox to Chrome.
0: I went from Chrome to Firefox. I was very deep into Chrome because of certain plugins and whatnot. But as Firefox started to get better, I came up with new workarounds as an effort to move over to Firefox because I felt like Mozilla had better intentions for the web with their browser and and their browser was an extension of that. Whereas Google's intentions are... Control and dominance of the web, and to ensure a certain amount of Google lock-in, while also creating a browser that is fast and uh, uh, makes the web a better experience. So they both have goals to make the web better, but they're kind of rooted in different origins. And I just prefer the Mozilla ones, and you know, rightfully so. uh, I think they've made a great product in the in the last uh, couple of years. I just think they've continually improved it. So it was time to switch and try it out, and I've been very happy for the most part, except. It continues to give me a couple of pain in the arse issues, like uh, JavaScript bookmarklets don't work on GitHub or Twitter pages, which is a huge break in my workflow. It's something I do all the time for tagging. Oh, that's annoying. Yeah, Yeah, I tag stories and links for shows, all the shows constantly, um, which then goes into a feed system. And so it's really kind of a critical part of my workflow. But also, it it doesn't play well with my plasma color scheme that I use. So text input fields are all dark with dark text. So the only way I can really read the text is if I highlight the text after I've written it. Um, Chrome doesn't suffer from some problems like that. I've also had just some general lag issues with the UI that I just don't have. on. I did side-by-side comparisons. Chrome, same page, loaded them both. Chrome stayed just more responsive. And um, it just felt faster overall. Like the page load times might go to Firefox. But all the other elements about using the web browser, like the way the, the bookmark toolbar responds when other tabs are loading and the, the way the URL drops down the, while I'm typing when other things are happening on the system, they just feel leggier under Firefox. Then if you go to the other platforms, if you go to Mac or Windows, which I don't do often, but I have from time to time, uh, Firefox seems to be significantly slower on those platforms. It seems like Linux is sort of the best showcase for it. But Chrome is sort of consistent on every OS. It's sort of the same thing everywhere.
1: It consistently eats 80% of your RAM, correct?
0: There's that too, yeah. I just, you know, I try to spec for a lot of RAM. Long story short, for workflow purposes, for knowing where the buttons are, for efficiency, for having extensions, and, you know, then just which which browser am am I using my bookmarks and keeping them updated and keeping things current, I just need to eventually just pick a browser and stick with it. I've been living with Firefox now for almost a year, maybe more and i'm on the cusp of going back to chrome right now and so i just i know it's these things are first world problems for sure but i consider the browser now to be a pretty important tool in my workflow and so it is something i give quite a bit of consideration for because features like container extensions um or the fact that it's not auto logging me into google properties are really important for something i use all the time but also the efficiency and the speed and the additional tools that i can use with chrome are also very important to me. So it's, it is, it is a. It, as the browser becomes more important, it becomes even more critical to me that they're a good tool, that they they check all the right boxes. And right now, none of them are really doing it. End of end of issue. I'm sorry.
1: It's funny because I I have a couple applications um, that I use, ironically, to develop applications that only work in Chrome, or they kind of work in like Firefox, but. You know they're just not up to snuff. I mean, our uh, the the programmer program the web app we're using for for the show is Chrome only.
0: Right. Yeah. And 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 I don't think they have any intention of supporting Firefox anytime soon. As he checks out for a second, KP KP in the chat room says, uh, "Try setting in KDE. Leave the GTK settings to light, and then use the built-in Firefox dark theme, and that could solve my text field problems." That, KP, is a great suggestion and one I could try right now and see if it actually fixes it. Because I would like to stick with Firefox if possible. That would be, you know, that would be the best. Uh, Anything I can stick, anything that's open source and the motivations I trust behind the company are ideal. (laughs) Welcome back.
1: Remember when uh, Mac people used to tell Linux people that, like, Linux is unstable crap?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened?
1: It just froze your went black
0: yeah well we missed you for a hot second there you know in huh. in podcast time it was just a brief moment but here on the live stream
1: get it out of here
0: it was uh, it was a few moments there it was touch well, and go you
1: know what I well it's that, is that... You, oh you're on
0: the wrong mic all right fix yourself up get yourself fixed up yeah i think so yeah all right get 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 yourself sorted uh i do have one last bit that we can get to for the end of the show so when you get your when you get your mic sorted
1: I think I'm sort of, how
0: do I sound? Oh, yeah, you sound good. Good job. Yeah. Uh, so Joshua writes in. He says, I've been listening to Coder Radio, and Unplugged for a couple of months now, and I love the shows. I'm a self-driving car engineer at Argo AI, I think is how you say it, who works primarily with low-level C++, and I have a quick travel hack. We haven't gotten a ton of these lately, but I'm still collecting them. Coder.show slash contact, your travel hacks. Joshua says, when traveling, I like to bring a power strip with me because some airports don't have outlets anymore. Everywhere. This way, even if I find a lone outlet that's already in use, I just politely ask the other travelers if I can unplug their devices, and then I'll replug everything into my strip for them, along with my devices. This way, when I go to airports without outlets, I'm almost always guaranteed one whenever I want to go charge up. That's decent, Joshua. And, you know, I've been in hotel rooms too, where I got in there and there was like one outlet or two outlets. Or what's becoming even more common is they have those USB ports that are like built into like the the clock or they're built into the uh, to, to the table next to the bed or the desk. And that's nice for like charging my watch, but for like charging you know like a Nintendo switch or charging a phone, I want something more powerful. So I like Joshua's idea, and I would amend it and say, get one that has USB ports built in. At right there is a solid travel hack. If you've got one, coder.show slash contact. Because Mike and I be traveling these days, and you know sometimes that happens. You go from never traveling to finding yourself having to travel a whole bunch. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you want to uh, do you want to call it there? Because I know we have to make it short today.
1: Yeah, let's call it. I think I'm going to uh, do the pickup. I need to go do, um, and then I'm going to go to the Apple Store and I'm just going to look at all the Macs and watch them one by one. Carnal Panic.
0: <laughs>
1: you know what? One of these days, you're going to go over there and
0: you're going to walk out with an iMac Pro, and then you're just going to get a Chromebook and a remote into that sucker and call it good. I I foresee it now. I call it right here on Coder Radio 327.
1: Could be possible.
0: All right, we got links to stuff we talked about at coder.show slash 327. You can follow Mike at Dumanuku and check out the new project, griffinradar.com, which is an awesome new app, especially for those of you in the aerospace industry. I'll leave it at that. I'm at Chris L A S. Thank you so much for joining us. You can join us live. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. We tend to do it on Mondays unless things are moving around. And then we try to keep that calendar updated. And then did you know we also have a subreddit? Yeah, I know, right? codaradio.reddit.com. How about that? How about that? You can check that out. Submit stories. I try to check that before each show. Alright, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of Coda Radio, and we'll see you right back here next week.